Well, good morning. My name is Jace King, and I'm one of the pastors at our Cypress campus, and I am so privileged to be with you this morning. A little bit about me, I grew up at Second. I grew up at our North Campus. That is where my family attended church. And when, when I was a child, that's where I came to know the Lord at the North Campus. I was baptized by Dr. Young at Beach Retreat as a student growing up. I met my wife at the North Campus and I came on staff at the North Campus there for a few years. Then I moved over here to Woodway. We call this the mothership, all right? The main campus. I was here at Woodway for five years on staff, participating in Christmas shows, VBS, and many other things like that. And then in 2016, I moved over to our Cypress campus to be a part of the group that grand opened the building over there on 290 and 99, and that is where I reside now. I'm married to my wife, Caitlin. We have a picture of our family. We have Three beautiful kids, Ellie, Mackenzie, and Bryce. I believe they are the most gorgeous children in the entire world, and I'm willing to debate anyone who says otherwise. We love them very much, and we are just ever so thankful and grateful to be here to worship with you this morning. I would ask if you are able, would you kneel with me as we pray and go before the Lord? Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to sing amen in this place. God, to praise you. You are the only one worthy of our adoration. You are the only one worthy of our praise. And we turn our attention directly to you. Father, as we take inventory of our lives over the last 12 months and look toward a new year. We ask that you would be intricately involved in everything that we do in 2024. As we open your word this morning, would you speak to each of us individually? Lord, we know that I have nothing to say and you have absolutely everything to say. May it be your words and not mine. We make this prayer in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The new year offers an opportunity for a reset, for a restart. It's a milestone in many people's life as they'll look back over the last year and take inventory of where they might need to improve. That could be financially, that could be uh, with health, that could be spiritually, that could be in your marriage. But oftentimes, people will pause and look to the new year as an opportunity for a clean start. Now, I do know two different types of people. There are some people who are all in on New Year's resolutions. Every year, they're like, yes, I'm making two or three new resolutions. These are my resolutions for the year. And then there are others who would say, listen, you don't have to wait till January 1 to start clean. You can do that today. By show of hands, who in here is a New Year's resolution person? Every year, I'm gonna make a resolution. Okay, we have a few. Who in here would say, nope, you can start clean today? Who in here doesn't make goals ever? <laughs> okay, we got, we got a little bit of everyone. Some interesting statistics on New Year's resolutions. I read this this week. Of the people who make a New Year's resolution, 
only 9% of them will actually see that resolution through to the end of the year. In fact, 23% of people who make New Year's resolutions will drop it before the end of the first week of January. 43% of people who make New Year's resolutions will have failed their resolution by the end of the first month. So resolutions can be a difficult thing when you're actually trying to make genuine change. As we open up God's word today, I'm not gonna talk about a resolution that maybe you and I could make. We're not gonna look at three things that, well, if we implemented these in 2024, maybe it would change our lives spiritually because the reality is the majority of us would drop it before the first week of January. But rather today, I would like to paint the picture of a what if statement. What if all of us in here were to live one specific way in 2024? What if the church as a whole would grasp one specific trait? What would that make our nation look like? What would that make our communities look like? What would that make our families look like? And that what if is this. What if the church in 2024 lived unashamed? Unashamed the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here is the sermon in a sentence. Everything I'm gonna talk about summed up right here. Facing the new year, may we live unashamed and without fear. Would you say that out loud with me? Facing the new year, may we live unashamed and without fear. See, the reality is, in our world today, we have the absolute greatest thing to be unashamed about, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have what our country needs, I don't know if you felt it, but man, it feels like things are getting tougher and tougher by the day, by the second, and our nation, our world, our city, our community needs a church that is unashamed of the gospel. That's what we need. And I looked up and read a few surveys this week, and the statistics of people who are in church consistently, Christians, people who would say they have been transformed by the saving grace of Jesus Christ, the statistics of people who are actively sharing their faith are kind of depressing. They range anywhere from 75 to 90% of Christians do not share their faith, haven't shared their faith one time in the last six months to a year. Why is that? If we have the most incredible thing to share, as a church, we need to live unashamed of the gospel. But the reality is, many of us see sharing our faith as a task. Oh, I know, I've gotta do it. Yes, yes, I know, the Bible says I need to share my faith. This, this is something I need to work on and do a better job of. We see it as a task. Many see it as a burden. Oh, it just makes me so uncomfortable. Like, I know they need to hear it, but I just get a pit in my stomach and I just don't wanna do it. Many of us see it as a chore. I know, I need to check that off the list this week. I need to share my faith with someone. The reality is, the gospel is not a task. It is a treasure 
that you and I have the opportunity to share. The gospel is not a burden, it is a blessing from Almighty God that you and I have the opportunity to share with others. The gospel is not a chore, it is a charge from Jesus Christ to the church to spread his word. So I think in 2024, what would happen if we would pause, take inventory of our lives, and truly live unashamed? If you have your Bibles today, we're gonna be looking in Romans chapter one. Romans chapter one, and we're gonna look at one key verse. And while you're turning there, I wanna paraphrase, recap what's happening in the early verses of Romans chapter one. We know in Romans one, Paul is writing this letter to the church in Rome. And he starts this letter by introducing himself, stating who it is that is writing it. He writes to the church in Rome saying, hey, I have heard of your faith and I have heard of what you guys are doing. He also says that it had been his intention to visit them and to do ministry in Rome, but he had been hindered up until that point. How had Paul been hindered? In some pretty major ways. Paul was stoned in Lystra. He's thrown in jail in Philippi. Paul is almost beaten and killed in Jerusalem. He's chased out of Thessalonica. Paul had been hindered in some ways that have prevented him from getting to Rome. But then what does Paul state despite the things that he had been through? In verse 15, Paul states, I'm ready to get to Rome to preach the gospel. Despite the things that's happened to me, I can't wait to do it all again in Rome. And then he makes this incredible statement in verse 16, and this will be our key verse for today. It says this, Romans chapter one, verse 16, says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel even though he experienced some opposition, some major opposition. In fact, the church in Rome at this time would have experienced a similar opposition as well. Living in a nation that was all about power, the gospel following a crucified Jewish man wasn't the most glamorous ask in the world. They experienced some opposition. They had to live unashamed. And the reality is, the world that you and I live in, the culture, that you and I live in, we experience that same opposition. Since the beginning, since the fall of man, a decision must be made, the world's way or God's way. And that can be an unhealthy tension. And when someone tries to live juggling, well, do I wanna live the world's way or God's way? They end up compromising themselves, their, moral, their morals, their ministry, their views. You can't have it both ways. So we experience that same type of opposition. We have to live unashamed of the gospel. What if, in 2024, you and I chose to live unashamed the gospel of Jesus Christ? I'm gonna give you three reasons why I think we should live unashamed. The first one is this. The gospel is good news. That's what the word literally means. The word gospel means good news. When you read gospel in your Bible, you should read the words good news. Think that in the back of your mind. That is what the gospel is. And when you have good news, 
You share good news. I don't know about you, but I love to receive good news. Good news can come in a lot of different forms. Good news can come in the form of a promotion, a raise, a new job, a marriage, a baby. I remember one of the best bits of good news I had ever experienced was when my wife, Caitlin, told me that she was pregnant with our first daughter, Ellie. It was great news, and I'll never forget that moment. We had been married for about a year at the time, and I thought to myself, okay, we've been married for a year, I need to take her on the greatest one-year anniversary trip. Okay, I need to set the standard for what this marriage is gonna look like moving forward. So I picked the most amazing destination. We went to San Antonio. But while we were in San Antonio, believe me, we stayed at the greatest, nicest five-star resort. Okay, we were camping. Here's the reality. We were newlyweds, okay? We didn't have very much money, all right? I'm in ministry and she was in nursing school. We were just trying to make it, all right? Camping in San Antonio was what we had. In fact, the camping experience in San Antonio was so excruciatingly hot because we got married in August, so one year was next August, we skipped the last night. It was 3 a.m. and we couldn't sleep because we were sweating so bad. We were like, let's just drive home. This isn't worth it, let's get out of here. So we got in the car, we drove through the night, we got back to our apartment and both of us were hungry and Caitlin was like, you want me to whip us up something to eat? And I'm like, sure, what do we got? She opened up the fridge and the freezer, she said, well, all we have is Hot Pockets. Okay, I'll take a Hot Pocket. So I'm sitting in the living room, and she comes in with a Hot Pocket, and, and she sets this plate on my lap. And on the plate is a Hot Pocket and a positive pregnancy test. <laughs> and I asked two questions. First, I said, are you pregnant? She said, yes. And then I asked, did that stick touch my hot pocket? Because if it did, I'm not eating it, all right? I'm not sure if it touched the hot pocket, but I still ate it. I was starving. That was great news. We were so excited. And I remember from that point, we told anyone and everyone who would listen about the news of the birth of our daughter. We filmed both of our families separately watching their reactions. We posted online a picture of all of our feet with some baby slippers next to it so everyone could hear. We had great news. And when you have great news, you share it. And the reality is, the news of our daughter being born is nothing in comparison to the good news of Jesus Christ and the gospel. There are so many things that we are so elated and excited to share about why not be 10 times more excited to share about the greatest news in all of history, the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's great news. But if this is, in fact, the greatest news of all time, why is it that in oftentimes you and I struggle to share that good news? I think we all know the answer. The number one answer is fear. We're afraid. First and foremost, we're Afraid of rejection. What happens if, if I share it 
and, and, and I face some opposition? What happens if I share this good news and maybe my coworkers don't invite me to lunch anymore? Maybe my neighbors stop talking to me. What if I sever a relationship because I share this good news? We don't like rejection. And so we fear persecution and opposition, and as a result, we live ashamed. We don't share the good news of Jesus. I love what Jesus says in John 16, it says this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In the world, we will have tribulation, we will face opposition. The reality is, some people won't like what you have to say, but take heart, for we serve the one who has overcome the world. And we know who wins in the end. Opposition, rejection, a difficult conversation at times is part of it. I'm thankful that Jesus didn't fear opposition when he died for you and I on the cross. May we be brave, may we have courage without fear of rejection because this is the greatest news anyone could ever hear. What else are we afraid of? I think, yes, we're afraid of rejection. I also think we fear not knowing an answer or not knowing what to say. What if I share my faith and someone asks me some deep theological question that I don't have the answer to? Like, I'm not a Bible scholar, you know, I'm not a theologian, I'm not equipped to share my faith with someone because I don't know enough. I think that's something we fall into oftentimes. There's a great example in scripture of a guy who's asked the question and I think his response is perfect for you and for me. And back in the New Testament, in John, we read a story about Jesus healing a blind man. And after he heals this blind man, uh, the Pharisees corner him and start to cross-reference him, trying to trip him up. They want the blind man to admit that Jesus was a sinner because he healed him on the Sabbath. And look at this interaction that the blind man has with the Pharisees. I think it's perfect. John 9, verses 24 and 25, says this. A second time, they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man, talking about Jesus, is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, now I see. I love his response there. They ask him a question that he does not know the answer to, and first and foremost, his response is, I don't know. Whether he's a sinner, I don't know. And for you and I, that's an all right response. If someone asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, it is okay to say, to buy a little time, and to say, you know what, I'm gonna do some research and read up on that, and I would love to continue this conversation. That's a perfectly acceptable response. Again, you're not trying to debate someone to come to faith, you're trying to lead them to Jesus. It's okay to not have all the answers. The blind man, was this man a sinner? He says, I don't know. But then he follows it up with, this is what I do know. I was blind and now I see. See, regardless of who you're talking to, no one can debate your personal testimony. I may not know the answer 
to that deep theological question that you're asking me right now, but here's what I do know, Jesus Christ changed my life and I guarantee he can do it for you as well. That's a perfectly acceptable answer. We need to overcome fear. What if in 2024 we stood unashamed the gospel of Jesus? What would happen? Second reason we can stand unashamed, and that's because the gospel is power. It's not powerful, it is power. That's what it says in Romans 1. It is the power of God for salvation to anyone who believes. It is power. And Paul writing this to the church in Romans, listen, Rome knew power back in this time. Rome was the superpower of the world. A Roman guard was the fiercest, most equipped military on earth. They could wipe anyone out. Caesar, by all means, was considered the most powerful man in the world. If Caesar was frustrated or in a bad mood, nations trembled. Just the fact that Caesar wanted to take a census caused full people groups to move. Rome had power. Rome knew power. But even with all of that power, they still fell short in having the power that could save someone's soul for all of eternity. That power did not lie with Caesar. That power doesn't lie with the president. That power lies with the king of kings, Jesus Christ. That's his power. And that is what the gospel is the good news of what he did for you and for me on the cross. That is power. Have you ever experienced the power of the gospel? Maybe not just personally, but in some form of a public setting. Maybe you were at a Billy Graham crusade and you saw thousands of people respond to the gospel that is the power of God. I've been to beach retreat over 20 times in my life, and let me tell you what never gets old watching Dr. Young boldly present the gospel of Jesus Christ and seeing hundreds of students change forever. Only the gospel does that. Students that are living one way and now are changed forever, I'm one of them. The gospel is power. That's why we should live unashamed. What if in 2024, we are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God to salvation for anyone who believes. One of my favorite things about the new year is fireworks. Anyone here enjoy shooting off fireworks? I'm sure many of us tonight might either shoot off some fireworks or we'll see fireworks in some form or fashion. I have a video here of one of the largest fireworks, single fireworks that has ever been shot. Check this, check this video out. Pretty cool display of power. 
that one firework goes up and explodes and then a million other fireworks come off the side. Fun to watch. I love watching fireworks. But here's what I'm reminded as I see fireworks in the new year, and maybe you'll think of it this way this year as well. When the firework is lit, goes hundreds of feet in the air and explodes, the person who lit the firework is not hundreds of feet up making that happen. What do they simply have to do? They have to light the fuse. And then the power of the firework takes care of the rest. That's you and I's challenge this year. We don't have the power to save someone. That power is Christ's and Christ's alone. But we do have the responsibility to light the fuse, to present the gospel and see what God will do with their life. So maybe tonight, as you're watching fireworks, maybe take that moment to pray to yourself and ask God, God, who is it in this new year that I need to light the fuse for? Who is it in this new year that I need to present the gospel to and then sit back and watch the power of God work in their life? It's the power. What if in 2024, we lived unashamed of the gospel because it is good news. It is the power of God. And lastly, it is for everyone. That's what it says. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everyone means everyone. Came to the Jews first and it came to the Greeks. It's for the Jews and the Gentiles. It's for the Greeks and the non-Greeks. It's for the young, it's for the old, it's for the rich, it's for the poor. The gospel is for everyone. Why should we be unashamed of the gospel? Because it's for everyone. And everyone means everyone. Well, Jace, you don't know my neighbor. My neighbor is really frustrating and we've been butting heads lately and the gospel can't be for him. Well, in Mark 16, Jesus said that we need to present the gospel to all creation. That includes your neighbor. Well, I have this coworker at work and I know they don't know who Jesus is. In fact, there's a language barrier in Matthew 28. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. I have a friend who I really care about and I don't want that friendship to be severed. Listen, show them the gospel through your actions. Be bold in talking about church because in John 3, 16, it says, for God so loved the world, whosoever believes will not perish but have everlasting life. Your friend is gonna do one of those two things. Be unashamed of the gospel. Romans 1 says it is for everyone. Salvation is offered through the power of God to everyone who believes. That is the grocery store cashier. That is your friend at the gym. That is your coworker, your family member. That is everyone. The gospel is for everyone because ultimately at the end of the day, there will only be two categories, lost, and saved. And it is our responsibility to try and take as many people with us and move them into that saved category. What if in 2024 we lived boldly, unashamed of the gospel? What would happen in our church? What would happen in our city? What would happen in our nation? About a month ago, I was up late Saturday night putting the finishing touches on a lesson that I was gonna teach at the Cypress campus Sunday morning. 
And our two daughters, Ellie and Mackenzie, were, we let them have a slumber party that night. It was Saturday night, we figured, okay, y'all can have a slumber party upstairs, have some fun, and, and I could kind of hear them upstairs goofing off and, and having a good time. Then eventually it went quiet, and I thought to myself, okay, they went to sleep, finally, a little bit of peace and quiet in here. And then they come running down the stairs, and they both come with just the most elated smiles on their faces, and they approached me, and, and my oldest daughter, Ellie, who had accepted Jesus uh, over the summer at Vacation Bible School, said, Dad, Dad, you'll never believe what just happened. I said, okay, Ellie, tell me, what, what happened? She said, Mackenzie just made Jesus her Lord and Savior. She's five years old, five years old. Now, Mackenzie is very young. And, and so I was like, okay, well, let's, let's double check here. I said, okay, Mackenzie, tell me, what did you just do? And she went, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, well, well, tell me this. What did Jesus do for you? Let's start there. What did he do for you? She said, no clue. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about sin? Tell me, what is sin? I don't know. Is it a good thing or a bad thing? And she actually said, good thing? I was like, okay. I gave her a hug and I said, hey, I'm so proud of you for wanting to know more about Jesus. Let's, let's keep on having those conversations. I gave her a hug and she walked back up the stairs. And as Ellie followed her, I said, hey, Ellie, hold on one second. I said, tell me, what happened upstairs? And she said, Kenzie made Jesus her Lord and Savior. I go, okay, well, how? And she said, I walked her through the prayer. I go, okay. That's great. You know what? I gave her a hug and said, hey, babe, I am so proud of you for sharing your faith with your sister. And then as Ellie left, I stopped her and asked one more question. I said, hey, Ellie, why did you do that? Just out of curiosity. Why? And she looked at me like I had just asked the most ridiculous question in the world. And she said, because I love her. And... I don't wanna to go to heaven without her. That was her answer. And man, was I pierced at the heart as she walked up the stairs. What if in 2024, we lived with the faith that my seven-year-old daughter has? She wasn't worried about rejection. She wasn't worried about not knowing the right answer. She wasn't worried about Mackenzie not talking to her anymore, no. Her faith was based on one simple thing. I love her, and I don't wanna to go to heaven without her. What if, in the new year, all of us lived our faith out unashamed because we care about the people around us, and we don't wanna to go to heaven without them?